You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Socks in the Basement presents yet another simulated White Sox game. We are doing each and every game. We've been doing it since opening day. Many times duplicated, never replicated. It's the Socks in the Basement simulated season brought to you by Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com and our good friends over at Cork and Carry at the Park. Go to CorkandCarryAtThePark.com and get yourself set up for today. Grab some great ballpark food and enjoy. Crack open a beer. Take care of them now because a Southside tradition that is Cork and Carry at the Park is going to be waiting for you when baseball actually returns to the Southside of Chicago. Hello, my name is Chris Lanuti. The White Sox are currently 4-3, and three, a game and a half back from the 6-2 and two Twins. After taking the first two series of the season, two out of three. They lost a heartbreaker on Thursday to the Boston Red Sox in their home opener. But remember they lost the first game to the Indians before roaring back and taking two from them and winning that series. They're going to try to do the same thing, and it starts with Dylan Cease. Cease collected the first loss of the season and had a very difficult time the first time out. He'll go up against Brian Johnson, who got a win for the Red Sox when the season started off for them. The 5-3 Red Sox against the 4-3 White Sox in Fenway Park. It's Saturday, April 4th, 2020, and you are listening to a White Sox simulated season brought to you by Sox in the Basement and covered afterwards in full with post-game reaction and box scores at SoxOn35th.com. Don Paul, former White Sox pitcher, will be joining us before this game is over. You will hear from him. We go out to the ballpark for game two of a three-game set in Boston. White Sox, Red Sox, next on Sox in the Basement. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fenway Park. My name is Chris Lanuti, the host of Sox in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInBasement.com. My buddy Dave and I sit down here and talk about the White Sox each and every week. But... Seeing as how the White Sox are not actually playing, we're simulating the White Sox season. We came up with this a couple of weeks ago. We announced it a couple of weeks ago. We started it on opening day, and we've been doing it ever since. Brian Johnson takes the mound for the Boston Red Sox. 1-0, 3.60 earned run average on the season after his first game. And Tim Anderson will step in. Timmy has had a hit in every game this season. The first pitch fouled off down the first baseline. T.A. has looked solid here to start off the season, and why shouldn't he? The man went out and won the batting title last year. And Johnson brings a second pitch to him. Inside corner, lower part of the strike zone, strike two called. Red Sox are 5-3 in the season. The White Sox are 4-3. And And it's a beautiful day for a ball game here in Fenway Park. Great weather we've had so far out here on the East Coast. This one is grounded between first and second. A quick scoop and a tough throw. But they get Anderson 4-3 on the putout for the first out of the inning. Yasmani Grandal continues to hit in the two spot after Yoan Moncada exploded, moved down further in the order. Grandal, after having a day off on Thursday and then the whole team had the day off on Friday, 
steps in and takes a slider low for strike one. Sox have lost three games on the season, two of those losses in extra innings, which shows you that they are in every single game in 2020. Second pitch from the lefty Johnson, low and inside. Ball one, one and one. 47 degrees with a very slight wind. It looks to be moving from the left field side to the right field side of the ballpark. If I look at that American flag out in left center field, Rondell swings at a low curveball for strike two, one and two the count. Brian Johnson likes to work quick. And when you think about what's been going on with the Red Sox and their rotation this year, they need guys like him to perform as this one is a high four-seam fastball. Rondell swings under it for the first strikeout of the game for Johnson. And the Sox have had their first two hitters go down here in the first inning. Difficult, difficult time right now for White Sox fans. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that as I sit here and broadcast this game, Ed Farmer is not on my mind. We're going to talk about him throughout the game today. I had a very interesting conversation with Farmio within the past year, talked a little bit about Sox in the basement, and I would love to just share that meeting with Ed Farmer as I broadcast from Evergreen Park, a village that he told me he was from. I don't know if he technically ever lived in Evergreen Park, but he lived so close to it, he considered himself to be an Evergreen Parker. As the first three pitches to Abreu are all balls missing the zone, and he's 3-0 and here with a hitter's count with two outs in the top of the first. Johnson delivers. This one is chopped towards second base, cut off by the second baseman and flipped over to first. And the Red Sox put the White Sox down 1-2-3. It's a pretty yet chilly day here in Fenway. No score going to the bottom of the first. Dylan Cease will be pitching to Yasmani Grandal today. He had a start earlier this season. He's 0-1. He went five innings. He gave up six hits. Had four walks to three strikeouts with a whip of 2.00 and an earned run average of 7.20 through that first game. The problem with Cease in that first game was too much nibbling around the plate. He worked way too hard and got himself into way too many bad situations. He needs to attack more and rely on the stuff that he has. As Andrew Benatendi steps in as the leadoff hitter in this game, and takes a ball outside, 1-0. Sox 4-3 on the season so far, and like I said, two of those three losses in extra innings on the road. The pitch. Inside changeup call for a strike, 1-1. One one. That was a nice pitch. Benatendi, early on here in the season, hitting 250. He was rumored to be part of a package going to the White Sox at certain points of the season. I'm sorry, the offseason but it did not materialize, and I think the White Sox are happy with what they have right now. Although he would be nice in a White Sox uniform. This one is fouled down the first baseline, almost took his first base coach's head off. One and two the count, Cease working quickly, the next pitch on the way. This one is skied into right field, deep, back, gone. Adam Engel playing right field today for Nomar Mazzara. Took two steps back and then just watched that one go over. 429 feet to the leadoff hitter, Benatendi. It got out of here at 108 miles per hour. His first home run of the season, the Red Sox right away are up 1-0 on the White Sox here at Fenway Park. And that was a bomb to right field. Cameraman lost it. So you're just watching Engel. You saw him take a couple of steps and then just look up and gaze upon that ball he pretty much is just going to turn around and continue to feel his position he didn't move very much 
as that one was out of here in a hurry. And Dustin Pedroia steps up, the two-hitter, hitting 250 with a home run and two RBIs early on in this season. And the Red Sox already staked to a 1-0 lead as Cease gives up a solo bomb to the first batter he faces here in Fenway Park. We talked about Reynaldo Lopez having to look good early on or he would lose his job to Michael Kopech. I think the same can be said for Dylan Cease. At some point, Kopech is going to come up. And when he does, you assume he's going to grab one of these starting spots in the rotation. Now, we have a few weeks until he gets here, as that is a strike. 0-1 the count. Next pitch outside four-seam fastball, 97 miles an hour. Call for a strike, 0-2. Pedroia has yet to swing. But it, I think it's going to be Lopez or Cease that could end up in the bullpen. As this one is jammed shot into right field. Running backwards is Larry Garcia. He's going to make that play in shallow right field, calling off angle for the first out of the inning. Four unassisted, and J.D. Martinez steps in with a 9.15 OPS, even though he has a 2.35 average, with one out and a bomb at a first, one nothing Boston. This one is skied out into left center field. Jimenez looks at it. It's going to go off the wall. Robert's going to play it on the Kareem, but it took a long time to get down there. Martinez on his horse to third, and he is safe on a triple that hung high off the monster on a towering fly ball, and Martinez knew just keep running and running and running. There was no way he was going to get out, but it was one of those big towering shots. Both Robert and Jimenez had to stand there and wait for it agonizingly as Martinez just ran around the bases. Robert did a good job playing that bounce and gets it in, but the runner was able to run all the way to second base before the ball hit the wall. As Xander Bogarts comes in, runner on third, 0-1 count, bottom of the first, one out, and the Red Sox up on the White Sox already, one to nothing, and Cease has to make sure this is in two to nothing. Not a good start for the Rook. I call him a Rook, but in reality, he played last year, so I guess he isn't a rookie. I think of him as one, though, because he still has a lot to prove. Everybody's expecting big things from Dylan Cease. But he has to go out there and prove it. 0-2 to count on Bogarts after two foul balls, one down third baseline, one down the first baseline. This next pitch is outside slider, 85 miles an hour, taken for a ball. Mike Fillmore is your home plate umpire tonight. So far, so good. Calling a pretty good game. He's got the neck beard going. Obviously, when he's on the road, he also doesn't shave very often. That pitch is rolled over to second. They will concede the runner, Martinez take the out at first base. Two runs in here for the Red Sox and two outs. That ball was put deep into the hole in second base. Would have been a tough play to get Martinez. Instead, Leary Garcia checks home plate, realizes he can't make the play, and flips it over to first to make sure he gets the out. So two in here with two outs here in the bottom of the first inning for Dylan Cease. An inauspicious start for him as the fifth batter in the lineup comes up in Rafael Devers, hitting 294 with four home runs and six RBIs about a week into the season. The pitch from Cease on the way. Curveball, lower outside portion of the plate for strike one. They have a shift on with Anderson on Leary Garcia's side of second base. Mancata's playing short right now. That's an outside fastball for strike two, but look, if you're going to throw the outside fastball with that shift on, if he makes contact... That's probably getting by Moncada for a cheap hit. You have to pitch to your shift. He does this time. Inside jams him out to Luis Robert. Will make the can of corn catch. And the White Sox will end the first inning, but not before the Red Sox. Get two on two hits. 
Moncada, Jimenez, Encarnacion up in the top of the second. Juan Moncada has batted second in the order. He didn't do very well there. He moved at a five spot, ripped the cover off the ball for about three, four days, and now stands in in the four spot because Aloy Jimenez has been struggling. So he will hit behind Abreu here in this game. As Ricky Renteria continues to work on his lineups, this one is foul, just fouled on the first baseline. One and one the count. The pitch from Johnson outside. Slider called ball two, two and one. Moncada stands ready, the pitch on the way. High pitch, four-seam fastball, ball three, three and one the count. Folks, this game is brought to you by Cork and Carey at the park located over at 33rd in Princeton. But they have their food available right now on Grubhub and at CorkandCarryAtThePark.com. And you want to support them so that they are ready for you when baseball truly resumes here. Three and two on a foul pitch down the line. Johnson with the full count pitches. Mancada, soft roller to third. It's going to be a difficult throw across, but they're going to get him. And he goes down 5-3 on your scorecard. One out here in the top of the second. Aloy Jimenez will step up. Let's go through this menu here at Cork and Carey at the park, shall we? Just to give you an idea, like right now, wouldn't you like to listen to this game while you're having some cheese curds? Like a basket of them for six bucks with ranch or marinara. Maybe you want the Southside Irish burger too. All that is is a burger with Irish bacon, Dublin or cheddar, coleslaw with an egg on top of it. It's 10 bones. Maybe get some southern fries for you and your friends to split up as this one is grounded the first. Quickly over to Johnson who's covering the bag. And there's two gone as Edwin Encarnacion steps up to the plate. Don't forget they got wings. They got them boneless. They got the traditional. They got your choice of sauce and dressing. And they can also put you into a wrap. I think of it as like they're putting you into a vehicle like a used car dealership. But it's not a used car dealership. It's really, really good food over at Cork and Carey at the park. They got a buffalo chicken ramp over there. It'll blow your mind. This one is a low fastball, 2-0 the count. Remember, Grubhub or at CorkandCarryAtThePark.com. Make sure you tell them Socks in the Basement sent you. That's an inside fastball for strike one. 2-1 the count to Encarnacion. With two outs here in the top of second, Brian Johnson looks spectacular so far. He is working quickly, and he is moving the ball around the zone. That one is fouled off. 2-2 two two the count on an inside fastball that was fought off. The next pitch on the way swung on and put down the first baseline foul into the crowd this inning is going quickly Johnson worked quickly in the first working quickly in the second this one inside at the knees and Encarnacion swings at a ball that almost hit him he was fooled completely midway through the second 2-0 Red Sox Sox won the first two games of the season lost the next two then won the next two and lost yesterday if it's a pattern we're not going to have fun today but I feel like the White Sox Still have a chance as long as Dylan Cease settles down and figures things out. Look, young man, you're here in the majors. Last year was the dress rehearsal. The play is on now. This first pitch is called for outside and delivered outside on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball that misses. Moreland does not uh, chase it. Mitch Moreland hitting 257, and he's 1-0 here in the bottom of the second inning. He batted ninth against a lefty. He moves back to hitting sixth against a righty. The Red Sox really changed the lineups up based upon what side the pitcher is pitching from. Two and one the count there after an inside fastball is called for a strike and a curveball misses. Cease takes a break, takes the hat off, walks around the mound a little bit, steps back up and we're ready to go. Two one count, out of the second, no outs. The pitch. 
This one is popped into center field. Can of corn for Luis Robert. We'll put that away for out number one. Folks, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Ed Farmer, who passed away yesterday. And we here at Sox in the Basement are big fans of Farmio. Um, as a person, we've always been a big fan of Ed Farmer. And I'll tell you a little bit of a story to kind of explain to you why I like Ed Farmer as a person. And he, I was surprised and taken aback and just amazed by the way that this man acted around me, a peon, as that pitches outside, want to know the count. So we started off socks in the basement. We talked about a lot of things, White Sox, just me and Dave sitting down here in my basement bar, and we're very honest about things, 2-0 the count on a high fastball that misses to Verdugo, who's batting in the seventh spot here. The next pitch on the way, that is low for ball three, 3-0 three to count with Christian Vasquez on deck with one out, the bottom of the second, and nobody on. As somebody who was a broadcaster, something that always bothered me, and I'll tell you honestly, and it's, it's the truth, it doesn't change whether or not I like Ed Farmer or not, is Cease walks Verdugo on four straight pitches. That as a broadcaster, I've always appreciated broadcasters that do play-by-play. I think a former player is great for color. I think the play-by-play should always be a broadcaster. It's just something that I've always felt. I'm not going to hide from that now. And I've always equated it to how would a player feel if he went through the minor leagues and all of a sudden some guy came out of nowhere and took a roster spot. Well, there's broadcasters that go to college and go and work in tiny little towns or do radio in markets that aren't even rated by Arbitron and work their way up. I was a guy that went to Wheeling, West Virginia, Champaign, Illinois, Reno, Nevada, before I went down to Southern California. I had to work my way up, and I know that a lot of other guys have had to do that too. First pitch is a strike, 0-1 to Vasquez, who's hitting 172 with a runner on first base. He goes around on a check swing, according to the home plate umpire. He's 0-2 on an inside pitch out of the zone. So I talked about this on the show, and I used Ed Farmer as an example because Ed likes to talk about his, his golf game. In fact, A.J. Pruszynski, after Farmer passed away, made a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but this will be the last time the White Sox fans will unfortunately be able to listen to a guy talk about his golf game for three innings instead of the score. And it was cute because people liked Farmer. Farmio is a good guy, nice guy. Everybody he talked to said they, they loved him, but he was he was a color commentator that had turned into a play-by-play guy by default. As that is a strikeout, and there's two outs here in the bottom of the second. So I had given Farmio a hard time, and I had done it recently before Saxfest in 2019, probably a week or two beforehand, and I'm sitting in Kitty O'Shea's at the former location as that first pitch is a ball, the next pitch by Cease. Swung on and missed, 1-1 the count to Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting in the ninth spot with one on and two out here in the bottom of the second. And I've given Farmer a hard time. I've been like, Benetti's a broadcaster. It'd be nice if we had one that was up there in the radio booth. And I run into Ed Farmer and Kitty O'Shea's. Now, my first instinct is, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to my show. I got these sacks in the basement hats as that one is fouled off one and two the count here with two outs in the bottom of the second. And I give him one as this next one is fouled off as well. And I give one to Darren Jackson because they're both having a meal. And I didn't want to disturb him. I said, yeah, I just wanted to give you the, sh- the, the hats and just say hello. And I went back to the bars. This one is flared out in the right field, trailing back his angle to the warning track. He will make the catch. I will continue the story in the top of the third inning. See, in tribute to Ed Farmer, my story took more than a half inning. The Sox trail two to nothing after two. Robert will lead him off in the top of the third. So Luis Robert, he's got a 478 OPS right now, but he's only hitting 174. He's got a home run and four RBIs. 
seven games into the season. He's a rookie. He's going to have to work some things out, much like Dylan Cease, who's trailing this game 2-0 here in the top of the third. Don Paul will be joining us later on here in this game. We're going to talk to him. He joined us on Thursday. He'll be joining us all weekend long as this one is low and outside slider for ball one. Getting back to my Ed Farmer story. So I give him the sacks of the basement hands, and I go sit down up at the bar at Kitty O'Shea's because we've got listeners that are following on social media. That's a strike, one and one, the count to Luis Robert. And I'm sitting at the bar, and people are showing up, and I'm giving him the hats. I'm giving them away for free. So Farmer must be sitting there eating, watching people coming up. And he doesn't need to come up and say anything to me as that one's outside, two and one, the count. The next pitch from Johnson, low and outside, three and one, the Robert with Leary Garcia on deck. And he walks up with DJ, and DJ's not going to say anything to me because I could tell right away. They've listened, and Ed Farmer immediately says, Sacks in the basement. I've listened to you, and my heart sinks. Strike, three and two to count, because I don't hate Ed Farmer, but I'm like, oh no, Ed Farmer's going to hate me. And he goes, you're doing a good job. I said, yeah, I said, I just worry I'm going to upset people, because I'm trying to translate to him like I don't want to make him upset with me, because you know he heard the episode for him to come up and say that. And he goes, no, you're giving your opinion, and you're not being mean about it. That one is outside on a 3-2 pitch, ball four. Robert goes down the first base, the first walk of the game for Brian Johnson, and the White Sox have a base runner finally. And he gave me some words of encouragement, told me to keep up what I was doing, uh, asked me a little bit about my radio career, took interest in it. We talked some baseball, told me he was from Evergreen Park when he found out that I was in Evergreen Park, uh, told me he was from that area. He went to Rita, I went to Brother Rice. We had a big, long conversation. He didn't need to have that conversation with me, especially after I was giving him a hard time for not being a broadcaster doing play-by-play. And he knew me, and he was gracious and nice, and he didn't make me feel bad either. In fact, he encouraged me, continue to speak your mind. Do what you do. That's an 0-1 count now after a swinging strike. Robert is chased back to first base on a throwover. Owen won the count to Leary Garcia batting in the eighth spot today as Adam Engel is playing for Nomar Mazara in right field, batting ninth. This one is flared in the right field. Shallow and caught. Robert retreats back to first. There's one out here on the top of the third. So we have this very nice conversation, words of encouragement, nice man, takes a picture with me, tells Darren Jackson to get in the picture. That was funny. I was like, can I get a picture with you guys? And DJ almost backed off. And for no other reason, it was just me and Farmer talking. I don't think there was any problem with DJ. And he's like, no, 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 get in the picture. And he has this big smile on his face, puts his arm around me, takes a picture. He didn't need to do any of that. As this is a base hit in a left field, they almost get Robert at second on the force because it drops so quickly. Angle with a base knock. First and second here with one out. The White Sox have something going. So I'm going to wrap up this story with a lot of speed on the base pass for the White Sox. But the moral of the story is that Ed Farmer, knowing who I was, knowing that I had said something that somebody could take in personally, instead understood what I was doing and that it wasn't malicious. This one is flared out to deep center field. It goes back and is off the wall for T.A., The runners on first and second weren't moving. Robert coming to the plate. He is safe. Engels in the third. TA's at first. The White Sox have a run on a double off the center field wall. Robert hesitated. Engel went right away. The rookie didn't read it right. Engel was right on his back. Engel holds it third. Robert beats the throw by about three feet. Engel probably would have been out if he trailed him. Robert was lucky to get home. First pitch is a called strike outside to Yasmani Grandal with one out first and third here in the top of the third with the Sox now only trailing by one to Boston. The pitch inside fastball high, one and one. But Ed Farmer was gracious, encouraging, nice, offer to come on the show. 
I told him, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the White Sox don't like me because I'm not one of the corporate shows or corporate stations that they have agreements with. He said, no, no, no. They don't tell me what to do. I'm Ed Farmer. And I regret the fact we didn't get him on. I'll be honest with you. It was something that we had talked about. And sometimes things don't work out because you lose track of the other person. But Ed Farmer was a nice man. He went too soon. And he'll be missed. As this one's inside, 3-1 the count. First and third. And this game is dedicated to Farmio, Ed Farmer, who has one of the greatest calls that I've ever heard. And that's when Paul Canerico comes up and he's filling in for John Rooney at the time. People don't realize in the seventh inning he always did one inning of play-by-play while John Rooney took a a break. As this one is flared out in the left field, carrying towards the wall. That is up and over by Yasmani Grandal. He hits a three-run home run right along the line over the Green Monster. And the White Sox have stunned this Fenway Park crowd with quick offense here in the top of the third inning. Engel, Anderson, and of course Grandal all score on a ball that goes up into the seats in the first row in the Monster. About three seats in fair territory on the Monster next to the foul pole that barely clears the wall. And the White Sox lead 4-2. to with one out in the top of the third. Brian Johnson had been cruising, and then he had a walk, he had a couple of hits, and it all fell apart. He had given up a run already, Grandal with the big bomb, and Abreu comes up, and he quickly is 2-0. This game is dedicated to Ed Farmer, who had one of the greatest calls that I've ever heard, and I wanted to use it, and I missed my opportunity, and I'm gonna do it if the White Sox can hit another home run. When Paul Canerico comes up in the seventh inning of game two, of the 2005 World Series, and he hits a grand slam while the team is trailing, and he yells, Sox lead, 4-2, to two. light it up. Hashtag light it up, folks, for Ed Farmer. That one is fouled off, 3-1 the count, the next pitch on the way. And that is a base hit in the right field for Abreu, and the White Sox hit parade continues. And the Red Sox are on their heels right now, and it's a good feeling. I'm getting tingles. I start talking about Ed Farmer in a simulated game, and the bats come alive. Thank you, Farmio. You're smiling down upon us in our simulation of MLB The Show 20. Makata steps in, grounds this one to third. Bobbled. They may not even get him. He is barely out at first base. Abreu easily advances a second. They bobbled it at third. Devers could not get his hands on the ball. He gets Makata right before his foot hits the base. That was almost even more costly for the Red Sox. Two outs now here in the top of the third with a runner on second for Aloy Jimenez who has yet to hit anything except for the four home runs he has on the season through this season. He had a day off on Thursday, so he has played in six games. And like I said, four home runs and nothing else but. And he showed the power. He has not reached base, though, since Monday. And it is Saturday right now. He had a day off again on Thursday to clear his head, but he did come in late in the game as a pinch hitter and still ended up 0-2 for 2 in a game that went 12 innings. 1-1 and 1 the count, two outs, top of the third. Sox lead 4-2. to 2. They've already put four up in this inning as this is a high fastball swung on for a strike, one and two the count. So rest in peace, Ed Farmer, and Sox in the basement salutes you, as as I think all White Sox fans do. This is an inside fastball for strike three. Jimenez goes down. He has a lot to work on here early in the season. But Yasmani Grandal takes it deep. Sox lead, four to two. Light it up. Andrew Benatendi. Solo home run in the first. He's 4 for 13 on the season. That's 308 is what the average would be. As Dylan Cease delivers to him as he leads off the bottom of the third. 
And that's an inside fastball for strike one, swinging. Cease has a new lease on life right now because he started off poorly, giving up two runs in the first inning. But now, in the bottom of the third, he's got a two-run lead. And it's time for you to dig deep, young man, reset, and go get him. Swinging strike on a slider low in the zone, 0-2 the count here. The pitch to Ben Attendee from Cease. Swung on and missed. Strike three. They're going to say it hit the dirt, so the throw goes down the first and the drop third strike. He's easily out. And that goes down as a K for Dylan Cease, his second of the game, as Dustin Pedroia steps in. Folks, family waterproofing solution is run by a veteran and his wife, Ken and Maria, out of Evergreen Park. They signed on with Socks in the Basement for the rest of the year. And they cover all of Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana. And even though they are paying their workers to sit at home during this delicate time and giving them health care, they are doing their estimates right now because when boots are on the ground eventually, they are going to get over to your house and take care of your waterproofing issues, your sump pump issues, your foundation issues, and they will go on video with you and evaluate right now, and it's not hard for them to do. Details coming up here after this half inning as Cease is 2-2 against Pedroia now with one out and a bomb at a third and nobody on, 4-2 White Sox. The pitch, and that is popped in the center. No, now it's carrying back towards the wall, right at the 379 marker. Robert came in first, thinking that ball was going to be shallow. So I reacted the same way. Then he runs back and sprints back to the warning track in center field, right next to the 379 marker, and makes that catch for out number two. So nobody on, two outs to J.D. Martinez, who's one for one in this game. That ball is outside, called the ball on a borderline pitch. Dylan Cease has 42 pitches at this point with two outs in the bottom of the third inning. Grandal sets up on the outside of the plate to the right-handed Hing Martinez, but it goes way too far outside on an 84-mile-an-hour slider. 2-0 the count. Grandal setting up on the inside portion of the plate now. The pitch on the way, right to the glove. It's flared out in the left field. Jimenez on his horse coming in will make the catch for out number three. So the Red Sox go down one, two, three after the White Sox get four at the top of the third and they lead 4-2 going to the fourth inning here in Fenway. Foundation issues not properly handled can be costly. Family Waterproofing Solutions is owned by Ken, a veteran of the United States Marines and his wife Maria making them a veteran-owned business and a female-owned business that will diagnose and repair wet or leaky basements. During the current health crisis, Ken and Maria decided to pay each and every one of their workers, secure their jobs, and continue to give them health care from home. And while they're not currently going out and doing jobs, they will still give you an estimate and jump on and do a video consultation right now. Plus, part of the proceeds for every job that they do are donated to veteran and first responder organizations who support our frontline defenders. And currently, Socks in the Basement listeners have access to special pricing when they contact Family Waterproofing Solutions now, 708-330-4466, or visit them today at FamilyBasementWaterproofing.com. We're coming to you from Fenway Park right now. It's a White Sox simulated season. We've been doing each and every game as a radio broadcast for you on demand from Socks in the Basement found everywhere podcast can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com which means if you miss a game go back and watch go back and look go back and listen you need to do a double header one day you can do that make your own double header we announced this weeks ago started it on opening day and we will continue it until the world goes back to normal hopefully sooner rather than later 
as Edwin Encarnacion steps up here to lead off the top of the fourth inning, 0 for 1 in this game, and Brian Johnson with 51 pitches going into the fourth inning delivers inside curveball 76 miles an hour called the ball, 1-0 the count. Encarnacion, one of the free agent acquisitions of the White Sox, one that when it was made, you realized the Sox were in it to win it this year. This is an inside pitch, fastball, strike one, one and one the count. And I say that because Edwin Encarnacion is like a luxury item. As this one is shot out to left field, it's going to go off the wall. Encarnacion on his way to second. The pitch, oh no, he's going to turn back. He did not like the way that ball landed back in Ben Attendee's glove so quickly. He turned back at about halfway to second and retreated the first. It'll be a long single for Encarnacion, wearing Rob Ventura's old number. Big stroke. He kind of looked at it a little bit. He could have had a chance at second, but he has been gunned down on the base paths not once but twice this season. And maybe he's starting to realize that he does not have the speed he used to have as a young man. Luis Robert walked in the third and scored, and he is 0-1 on an inside pitch taken. And Carnacion with a slight lead at first, the pitch on the way, low and outside, ball one, one and one the count. Robert was 0 for 4 with a strikeout in the last game, but like I said, walked and scored a couple of feet early before the ball got there. A couple seconds on a play at the plate. As this one is flared out in the right field for a base hit, Encarnacion will advance, and Robert picks up a hit. First and second with no outs, and Luis Robert looking sharp at the plate after taking a day off and then getting an entirely second day off yesterday. So this man hasn't picked up a bat for two days, and he comes out, and he looks good up there. He reset well. Leary Garcia comes up, takes the first pitch outside for a ball, 1-0 the count, with two on and no out here in the top of the fourth. White Sox leading 4-2. Don Paul will be joining me later on this game. We're going to talk a little bit more about the White Sox and what it was like on the road when he was a member of the team. And I also want to get to him at some point this weekend and talk about uh, what it was like to play for his hometown team. He was a Southsider born in Evergreen Park on the south suburbs. Uh, he grew up in the same neighborhood as Ed Farmer, uh, which is it's striking that we have Don Paul on at the same time that what happened with Farmio. As this one is popped out in the right field, it's going to be an easy play for the first out. One out, the runners hold at first and second. Adam Engel comes up. He's one for one with a single and a run scored after Yasmani Grandal hit that bomb, but Engel did a lot of running. He had a single, and then he went first to third when Timmy Anderson put one off the wall before Grandal cleared the wall. He's got two on now with one out in the top of the fourth. This pitch is high and outside. Just got the zone for a strike. 0-1 the count. So Don Paul joining us later on. White Sox leading 4-2. Chilly, 47-degree day, but sunny here in Fenway. And Sox in the basement bringing you simulated ball games each and every day. Not once a week, but each and every day. That pitch is inside, 2-1 and one the count. The leadoff hitter, Anderson, is on deck. The pitch from Johnson. And that is an outside pitch, pops straight up to second base. Infield fly is called, the runners retreat. There's two outs here now on the top of the fourth. After the Sox put their first two batters on, the next two are out. Tim Anderson comes up with two outs, two on, one for two. Already has his hit streak to eight games, and there's only been eight games for the White Sox so far in this Major League season. 
He has hit safely in all eight games this season. And is hitting 400 with runners in scoring position. And that's exactly where Edwin Encarnacion is now on second base. Swings underneath the second pitch after taking the first one for a ball. One and one the count. Johnson resets. Pitch number 67 on the way here in the top of the fourth. Inside pitch slider taken for ball two. Two and one the count. Robert has speed, but Encarnacion does not. So it's a roadblock at second base. As this is an inside pitch that jammed him. And he popped this one up to second base. Just like Engel did before him. So... The Sox go down easy after getting the first two hitters on. They remain up 4-2 going to the bottom of the fourth here in Fenway. Xander Bogarts comes to the plate. He's had his moments so far against the White Sox. He did well for himself during that extra inning affair that opened up this series. He takes this pitch outside for a strike on the corner 97 miles an hour below the belt. Cease with his second offering. That one is low. Same pitch, just lower in the zone, goes for a ball, one and one in the count. To Xander Bogarts, who's 0 for 1 today, hitting in the four spot. Rondell sets, calls for the pitch on the outside portion of the plate. To the right-handed Bogarts, he flares this one in the right field. Angle on his horse, but he gets there easily. He had a shift where he was in the right center field gap, and he came all the way over to foul territory almost. Caught it in fair territory, but near the line. And the first guy's gone. And Rafael Devers steps up 0 for 1 and Cease delivers. High inside ball one. Devers, one of the hotter hitters on the Red Sox early on in the season. They don't have anybody killing it. Like nobody's hitting like 500 on this team or 400 or something crazy. They're all contributing. Nobody's too high, nobody's too low, very even coming out of spring training. Cease gets the count to 1 and 2. He has 50 pitches, and he's thrown 35 of them in the strike zone so far, with 15 pitches called for balls to this point. So he has been attacking the plate, something we said he needed to do, and if you take into account the first inning, when it seemed like he was doing the same thing he did in his last start, he's actually been attacking the plate more from the second inning on. That pitch is low, called for a ball, 2-2 two and two the count, the pitch on the way. And that one is an outside pitch put into the... Left field gap, Jimenez on his horse will reel it in. Left center field gap, Jimenez will catch that ball. Glove extended on the run. Makes a great play, heading back at an angle towards the green monster. And if you remember what Fenway looks like, he had just gotten past where that scoreboard is out there, that old-time scoreboard, and was running towards the track. So that ball was a tough one, and Jimenez made a good play, and Mitch Moreland steps in 0 for 1. Two outs here in the bottom of the fourth with nobody on. Cease delivers, and this one is grounded down the first baseline foul. Moreland was two for six with a double in that extra inning affair two nights ago. Broken bat down the third base line, chopping foul. He'll have to get some new lumber and step back in 0-2. Cease was running for the ball. The bat almost hit him in the face. Next pitch on the way. That is fouled down the first baseline into the crowd. 4-2 White Sox, Bob in the fourth, two outs, 0-2 to Mitch Moreland. Dylan Cease delivers. Low changeup, ball one, one and two the count. Boston got two in the first. The White Sox answer back with four in the top of the third, and that's where we stand. One and two the count, the pitch on the way. That ball is chopped down the first baseline foul. Will reset with two outs in the bottom of the fourth. The pitch. Again. 
Fouls that one off. Four-seam fastball on the outside corner. Moreland is battling. Cease keeps going for the outside corner. The next pitch, again to the outside. He went further outside, and Moreland took it. Eight pitches is at bat, and he's only two and two. Grandal and Cease seem to want to work him away. Maybe mix it up and throw one high and inside. Grandal actually moves to the inside portion of the plate and does exactly what we suggested, but Moreland fouls it off anyway. Maybe he's listening to the broadcast. I don't know. The next pitch on the way, that is fouled off as well. Ten pitch at bat so far for Moreland. Two and two to count here with two outs in the bottom of the fourth. It's a battle of wills as Cease delivers. And that one is fouled on the first baseline again. 11 pitches in the at-bat. And he's still got a ball to give. The pitch. Fouled it again. We have a very long at-bat for Mitch Moreland. You might want to get up and get yourself a fine drink right now while this is going on. It could last a while. As Cease goes into his windup. And the pitch. Strike three. Swung on high and inside. So when he went high and inside before, Moreland caught up to it. He waited a few more pitches on the outside corner, came back to it, and he could not catch up to it. End of four, 4-2 four, White Sox. Yasmani Grandal hit a three-run home run in the third inning. He has brought some power here early on in the season, and he will lead off the top of the fifth against Brian Johnson, who sits on 68 pitches and is losing 4-2 to right now for the Red Sox. Outside corner, four-seam fastball for a strike. The Red Sox bullpen is up and rolling They've got two righties going in Brazier and Hembry in case Johnson can't get through the fifth. The pitch inside, chopped to short, easy play. The throw comes across and Grandal is out on a 6-3 to three in your scorecard. Dylan Cease likely will have the same situation. He's young. He's had a hard time in those innings in the fifth and the sixth, and it makes sense to have a pitcher ready in case he gets into trouble. Jose Abreu steps up to the plate, one for two, with one out in the top of the fifth and the pitch on the way. And that's ball one on the high outside corner. Nobody's up yet, but you would think that they'll probably get somebody going maybe at the beginning of the inning. You don't want to freak out your starter and be like, yeah, we're already warming guys up while you're sitting here during the at-bats because you want him to believe in himself. But maybe when he's not paying attention, somebody can start stretching out because you'd like to get this game, uh, especially after the 12-inning loss the other night. 2-0 pitches fouled down the third base line. 2-1 the count to Jose Abreu, who's been one of the best hitters on the White Sox so far early on in this season. Outside fastball, ball 3-3-1, three, three and one. Yohan Mancata stands on deck. He was red hot for a few games. He's evened off. He's hitting about 241 right now in the four spot. But he has had productive at-bats, and he has had a very good eye. It returned to him earlier on this week as Abreu takes that one for ball four. will trot down the first base. The Sox have another base runner on, and the Red Sox are done with Johnson. So he is the two guy in their rotation, and it is only a 4-2 game. But remember, a lot of Red Sox pitching is not pitching here to start the season, including Chris Sale, because of the Tommy John surgery. So the Red Sox are desperate for pitchers. You've got guys that are pitching at the top of the rotation. It'll be bottom of the rotation guys, or not even make the rotation. They'd be borderline. Marcus Walden, by the meanwhile, is the middle reliever extraordinaire, obviously. He pitched four and a third on Thursday night in his only appearance so far this season. He comes in against the White Sox here with one on the top of the fifth. Is this the only guy they've got? I didn't even see him warming up. This feels glitchy. 
Anyway, in the last three games, Moncada hitting 583. I said he was hot. He's 1-0 right now to Walden, the pitch on the way. Check swing, caught the outside corner, 1-1. Moncada's 0-2, though, in this game. And with Walden being a righty, Moncada is on the left side of the plate. With Abreu taking a lead, the pitch. He swings and chaps this one for a base hit in the right field. Abreu will hold it second. Sox are first and second. They've had that a few times in this game. They've capitalized, and then they've left them stranded. We'll see what happens here in the fifth with one out. But Moncada's on. And a solid infield single between the first and second baseman. It rolls in the right. And Aloy Jimenez comes up. 0 for 2. 4 for 24 in the season, hitting 167. Has moved down to the 5 spot after having a couple days off. It hasn't made a difference. As this young man is struggling in the pitch. Low slider. One ball, no strikes. Jimenez is going to get it together. This is deep. This is deep. It may clear the monster. The Sox lead. 7-2. Light it up. That one's for Farmio. Because I didn't get to do it on the Grandal one. Aloy Jimenez. It's his fifth home run of the season. It just happens to be his fifth hit of the season. 409 feet to left center field. Everybody stopped and just watched that one go out. Gets out of here at 111 miles per hour, according to StatCast. He admired it after he got a hold of it. And all the pitcher can do is throw his glove up in the air and wonder how a man could hit a ball that hard. That ball actually cleared the monster, folks. That was over the monster. Looking at it on the replay, he cleared the seats and put it into the parking lot. Someone's got a dent in their hood, courtesy of Aloy Jimenez. The Sox have two three-run home runs in this game and lead 7-2 with one out in the top of the fifth inning. And Edwin Encarnacion comes up, and he's 1-0. The next pitch, inside slider, swung on 1-1 the count. So the White Sox have played long ball in this game so far and put two of them over the monster. One landed into the stands. The other one cleared the monster entirely and landed in the parking lot here outside of Fenway in Boston. And Marcus Walden did not get the success that he had the other night. Turns out he's not Cy Young. Couple of fouled off pitches. It's two and two right now to Edwin Encarnacion, who's one for two. The Sox leading seven to two. The base is now clear with one out in the top of the fifth. And he fouls off a high inside cut fastball and will reset. Walden with the pitch. Flared out to right field. That one's going back towards the wall as well. It is caught on the warning track over the shoulder of the right fielder. The White Sox seeing the ball very, very well today off of Red Sox pitching as that one was given a ride as well. It just did not get out. Brian Johnson pitched 75 pitches and did not get through the fifth inning. And the relief pitcher comes in and gives up a three-run bomb. Two outs in the top of the fifth with nobody on for Luis Robert. He takes an inside cut fastball for ball one. He's got four RBIs over the last three games. And he scored a run after misjudging a ball. He had to turn on the speed and barely beat a throw in for the first run of the game. And after that, it's been all power for the White Sox with two three-run home runs, getting them to the score of 7-2. 2-0 the count in the pitch on the way inside ball three. 3-0 with Leury Garcia on deck who was hot to start the season and has leveled off, hitting 227 right now. The pitch from Walden, and he walks him on four straight pitches, missing the zone on the outside portion of the plate with a slider. 
and Robert goes down 90 feet. And now you kind of want to see the White Sox continue to put pressure on. As Robert stands at first base, this time without anybody in front of him, and he's going right away on the first pitch. Inside pitch, he is down easily to second base with a head first slide, and he steals second easily, moves in the scoring position, as the White Sox, after having a lead the other night and letting the Red Sox come back, are like, we're scoring as many as we can, as quickly as we can. This next pitch is inside ball one, one and one the count with Robert on second base now, hoping Garcia can drive him in for the eighth run of the game for the Sox. This one is flared into left center field. Robert is coming around third. There will be a play. He is safe in front of it. And Leury Garcia knocks in Luis Robert for the eighth run of the game. So the stolen base sets up Robert, who then uses his speed to come around and score on a base hit into shallow left center field over a jumping shortstop in Xander Bogarts. Heath Hembry will now come in for the Red Sox. They're getting rid of, you know, they went to the well too many times with Walden. That was masterful the other night during the home opener. But it's two days later, and guess what? The guy's in the bullpen for a reason. He went to that well too many times. The White Sox got fooled by him so many times. If you don't think they didn't look at his film so that never happened again, you're crazy. As Adam Ingo comes in and flares the first one into shallow center field, Pedroia goes back and will make the play in front of Jackie Bradley Jr. But the White Sox continue to put on runs. 8-2 midway through the fifth. A beautiful yet chilly day here in Fenway Park. And Don Paul joins me on the phone line right now as we get ready for the bottom of the fifth inning. Dylan Cease is going to get a little bit of leeway, I think, here, Don. Uh, I want to ask you, though, we were talking about uh, road trips on Thursday and whether or not it benefits you to get away. I would like to ask you this question. I once went to Minnesota for a four-game series, and my sister wanted to meet Ron Ventura so badly she waited in the lobby for three days. And on a third of four days... Here comes Robin at 7 o'clock in the morning walking in with dark sunglasses running to the uh, to the service elevator. Still wearing the clothes, obviously, from the night before. And I laughed and I said, no, nah, try to get him later on. I don't think he's in the mood. Uh, looks like these guys party sometimes out in the evening. Did you take part in that? What, what's that all about? Oh, God. Yeah, no, once in a while stuff like that goes on. I, I was somewhat naive I know, I'm, I'm more low-key I think than a lot of these players uh, you know I, I just did not just partake in as much of all the extracurricular activities that some guys can and, and, and will do so I don't know all the stories I, I missed out on a lot of the good stories I think that were going on but there certainly <laughs> are guys that you know that are they're out there you know late at night and, and into the morning i think we we did have one or two players that you know I, I don't remember the ventura thing but i do remember a couple other players that were you know especially starting pitchers you know who i, I could see is you know they're not going to pitch again for a few days so some of the times those guys will really do a bender and then you know no no big deal but if you're a position player you're going to play the next day <laughs> he did play uh, that's, that's the thing he good. played that right. he played that day we got swept in that series, by the way, so there might have been a lot of drinking going on in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. As Alex Verdugo, Don, was 3-0 and against Dylan Cease, and I was worried he was going to have one of those, my team scored a bunch of runs, and, you know, it's the fifth inning, and I'm going to kind of, like, lose my concentration moments, and he's 3-0, and and he fights back and strikes out Verdugo, and he gets him. 
to full count and gets him swinging on a high outside fastball. And Christian Vasquez steps in 1-0 after the first pitch from Cease. There's one out here now in the bottom of the fifth inning. Yeah, that's not good. But I mean, it goes back to the other Mickey Mantle days. You hear about Mickey Mantle and, and all the stuff that you know, he did. You know, so, yeah, a lot, there is a, a lot of uh, crazy stories. Where I, just, I just can't believe it. Again, for, to me, I always felt like, you know, again, I, I just needed to give everything I had to be able to stay in the major leagues. I didn't have all the talent where I could relax and just, hey, I'll just coast here. I can show up and, you know, hung over and stuff. I had to have everything I had to just to stay there, I felt. To me, I, I did not want to have an episode like that where I'd be coming in you know, hung over or still partially drunk from the night before or, or just not ready to go because for, for me, you know, about two or three bad games in a row and I could be sent down to minor leagues easily. <laughs> that was a little different story for me. And that one goes off of Jimenez's glove. He had a dive in left field. Cease again gets the batter full. But this time, the ball is flared into left field towards the line. And Jimenez has to get on his horse. It goes off his glove. So there's a runner on first base as Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up to the plate. So Christian Vasquez gets on. Nice effort by Jimenez. And Don, I appreciate you stopping by. You're going to be with us all weekend long, which means tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about what it was like uh, joining your hometown team and getting to play for them and with them and I'm looking forward to some good stories that people haven't heard before. Don Paul was a professional pitcher in the major leagues and got the pitch for his hometown White Sox. He's got a World Series ring. I don't think a lot of people realize that he has that and uh, he's been nice enough to join us all weekend long as Jackie Bradley Jr. steps in. He's a 9 here today. He's 0 for 1. Cease with pitch number 80 with one out here in the bottom of the 5th inning with a runner in Christian Vasquez on first. White Sox leading it 8-2 to two with one out here in the bottom of the fifth. 2-1 count to Bradley. And you know Ricky Renteria would like to see this young man pitch now and not have to worry about him. And you can give him some leeway, but this one is a ground ball up the middle. Robert will field it and get it in. The runners advance 90 feet, first and second with one out, and we get to the top of the order. You do not want to give up this game, but Cease has looked effective. The problem has been, though, that with him, at least in the first game, he loses concentration after his team scores some runs as the very next pitch is put into left field for a base hit. The bases are loaded, and somebody's going to have to go out and talk with him, and somebody's going to have to get the bullpen going because you do not want to lose a game that you led 8-2 to two by waiting too long. You want him to get through the inning, but you want to have a plan in case he gives up a couple more hits here and some runs cross. And they're going to go out and talk with him. 3-0 the first batter, fought back to strike him out, went 3-2 and two on the next batter, and Jimenez, I mean, it really was a base hit. It wasn't Jimenez's fault. He makes a difficult play running towards the foul line. He's lucky to get his glove on it. I mean, if he was an all-star, of course he makes the play, but instead it goes down for a hit, and then he gives up two quick hits right away over a period of about three or four pitches. And Coop's standing out there with his his legs spread apart and his, his, his arms folded, and he's telling this young man, look, you've got an 8-2 to two lead. You want to be a major league pitcher. You, you've got to do more than just pitch four and a third innings. You know, you, 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 you don't want to get pulled out this inning, Dylan. Even if you end up with the win, it's going to be a bad look for you. He goes back to the dugout. Dustin Pedroia comes up 0-2 in the pitch on the way. That's fouled off down the first baseline. 
two guys are up in the bullpen now. Jace Fry is warming up along with Jimmy Cordero. You don't want to go to him. You're up six runs. But Dylan Cease is in some serious trouble here in the fifth. He got one out, and he put three guys on immediately after that, all with solid hits, and this is a solid base hit in the center field. Two runs are going to come around and score easily. There isn't even a play there. They did end up throwing the ball after Abreu cut it off. He did go home, but runner was already sliding across home plate before the ball got there. So two runs will score on that base hit, and it's now 8-4. to four. So that White Sox lead shrinking. It'll take at least another batter or so before you can get a relief pitcher in. So Cease is going to have to face J.D. Martinez with two on, first and second. Up by four runs, 8-4, to four, one out, the bottom of the fifth, and a 1-0 count. Martinez is one for two with a triple and a run scored. And he stands in now as the shadows are starting to get close to the plate may come into play here later on in the game. The next pitch by Cease is skied into center field towards the right field side. Robert back on the track will catch it. That is the second out. He gets it in quickly. Not a lot of speed on second base, so the runners will hold. And there are now two outs on something that nearly could have been a home run. I mean, he's six, seven feet away from that, ending up in that bullpen area in right center field that last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was Jackie Bradley Jr. that went over the wall and caught it. And people call it this amazing catch. That's where that ball was near, but it didn't get out. First pitch to Xander Bogarts is a strike. The next one is deep into center field. Robert trailing back will leap and miss the ball as it goes over his head and bounces off the center field wall. One run is already in. The second run scores. It is eight to six now with Bogarts on second base and the White Sox are gonna go out and get Dylan Cease. He gave up six runs in four and two thirds innings on a rocket. Luis Robert kind of misjudged that ball. I felt like he slowed up thinking he had it and realizing the ball is over his head did a last second desperation move to jump straight up and try to catch it. And it just cleared his glove, bounces off the center field wall and two runs score. If he would have run a little harder for it, he's got that ball. I think he thought he had it. Maybe he loses it in the sun. It is coming almost directly over at this point. And he misplayed that ball. But that's it for Dylan Cease. He goes four and two-thirds. The White Sox are only up by two runs, eight to six here, with a tying run at the plate and Raphael Devers. And Jace Fry comes in, the lefty, to the lefty Devers here with two outs in the fifth. First pitch is a ball, second pitch inside ball. He's 2-0. and oh. This is what Fry is there for. It is a loogie roll when you have two outs because you should be able to get this batter and you only have to finish the inning under the new rules. It's three batters or you have to finish the inning now under the new rules coming out of the bullpen as Mitch Moreland is on deck and he is also a lefty. 3-0 the count now. Jace Fry needs to be a little bit more accurate and get the White Sox out of this inning or this is going to be a disaster. Outside cut fastball, ball four. He walked him on four straight pitches. And now, starting the inning up eight to two. It is now eight to six here in the bottom of the fifth. With runners on first and second, Cease has been chased. Fry walks a batter and now has to face Mitch Moreland, who does not do well against lefties. But he's got to throw a strike to him or he's just going to take the walk. One and oh, the count, low. Moreland is so bad against lefties that he hits in the sixth spot against righties and hits in the ninth spot against lefties. That should tell you the difference here, and Jace Fry has to understand that and make a pitch. He throws this one outside curveball, 
ball two, nowhere near the zone. Jace Fry has nothing. And he's got to get it together now or this inning is going to turn into a huge disaster for the White Sox inside ball three. And the Red Sox fans smell blood in the water like a great white shark off the Great Barrier Reef. And Jace Fry has got to take a breath here because you came in with two lefties and all you had to do was get one of them off. All you had to do was get one of them out. You threw seven straight balls and he throws one that barely touches the inside corner for strike one. I don't think he's trying to pitch outside. I just don't think he can find the plate. Three and one the count, still with two outs in the bottom of the fifth. Sox have given up four runs in this inning. And they're in danger of giving up the lead. The pitch on the way. Check swing ball four. He walked the bases loaded. White Sox pitching, letting down the offense right now. Alex Verdugo will come up. And Verdugo is so much better for some reason against lefties that even though he's a lefty hitter, he bats at the top of the order against left-handed starters and bats in the seventh spot against right-handed starters. Fry gets his third lefty in a row. The perfect opportunity to bring in a left-handed pitcher where he has to face three guys. With three lefties coming up, he walks the first two, throws an inside strike for strike one with the bases loaded and two out in the bottom of the fifth. The next pitch is low cut fastball, ball one, one and one the count. Jimmy Cordero can come in here if he walks the next batter as this one is outside for ball two. Jace Fry looks atrocious. 12 pitches in this inning and he's put two guys on already and he's got a 2-1 count here. Alex Verdugo now stands at the plate. The shadow has crept over home plate at this point. Low pitch, ball three, three and one the count. This is horrible. This is one of the worst innings I've seen in years from White Sox baseball as Fry delivers. And he fouls this one down the third baseline and does a favor. And it's three and two the count on a pitch that would have been ball four and walked in a run. Maybe he'll do us another favor. Inside pitch. He puts this over Engel's head. Engel runs back and makes an amazing play by the warning track. It saves Jace Fry from a disaster. The White Sox escape. The fifth inning still leading miraculously eight to six. Heath Hembry stays in the game for the Red Sox as Tim Anderson leads off the top of the six. The White Sox still have that two-run lead and they're lucky to have it. As this one is fouled off down the first baseline. Anderson has five doubles already on the season and is carrying an eight-game hitting streak through eight games of the 2020 season. He's 0-1 here in the top of the six with the pitch on the way and that's a swinging strike at a slider in the dirt. Darwinzon Hernandez and Ryan Brazier warming up a righty and a lefty for the Red Sox right now in the top of the sixth. White Sox had a six-run lead. Dylan Cease unable to get through the fifth inning and Jace Fry just scaring the bejesus out of everybody. He didn't actually let a run across somehow, but he comes in with one guy on and three lefties coming up for a guy who made a career as a loogie to this point. And he walks the first two and the third lefty hits a bomb a rocket in the right field that Adam Engel has to run straight back for spins around and backpedals and catches that thing off balance falling backwards on the track and lands on his butt 3-2 count now to Tim Anderson with Yasmani Grandal on deck Anderson as I said one for three Hembry sets and the pitch on the way and he gets a called fastball outside on the zone and yeah it was strike three Timmy I'm sure he wishes he had that one back. And I think he knew it. In the third inning, Yasmati Grandal put the White Sox ahead of the Red Sox. They had jumped out to a 2-0 lead, and after the Sox scored a run already in the third inning, 
Grandal hit a three-run home run, making it 4-2. to two. He comes up now. The Sox extended that lead to 8-2 to two, and then quickly gave four runs back in the next half inning after they made it 8-2 to two, as Dylan Cease unable to make it to the sixth inning. And Grandal is 1-1 one and one right now and swings for strike two, missing on a high outside fastball, 1-2 and two the count. One out, top of the six. After all that excitement, luckily the White Sox still lead by two as this one is chopped on the first base line. It is fielded on the foul side of first base and they'll reset the pitch. And that's fouled off down the third base line into the crowd. Rondal's one for three with that three-run home run. You'd like to see him make more contact. He and Jimenez have really relied on the deep ball more than they've relied on just your standard base hit to this point. Two and two the count. He fouls this one off, and we continue the top of the six with one out. Folks, remember, inside fastball, three and two. Remember that SoxOn35th.com is doing the postgame wrap-up for all of these broadcasts. They will provide box scores, and after every series, tell everybody what the stats are. It is a great partnership between two great establishments in the White Sox blog-slash-podcast world as this is a ground ball up the middle for a base hit for Grandal. And he is on with a single. Remember, we said a few weeks ago we were going to simulate all these games, and then we started it right on opening day, and we've done every single game so far. Sox on 35th had thought about running simulations and just doing box scores, and when we realized what they were doing and they realized what we were doing, as this one is driven deep into the left center field gap, and nobody's going to even move as that ball is jacked out of here by Jose Abreu, 441 feet, 111 mile an hour exit velocity, technically 110.5. He hits his second home run of the season, the third home run of the game for the White Sox. They get at least two of the runs back that they gave up last half inning, and this has turned into a softball game as the White Sox lead it 10 to 6 in the top of the sixth inning. He hit it, and nobody moved. It was one of those hits that the moment he hit it, both outfielders in left and center field just looked up and watched it go over their heads, way out to left center field, over the monster and out of the park. And Yohan Moncada comes up one for three, and the Sox are back up on the board, leading 10 to six here in a slugfest. That pitch is taken for a strike on the outside corner, 0-1. So Sox on 35th combined with Sox in the basement. I remember when we first started Sox in the Basement a couple years ago. Sox on 35th allowed us to post our podcast on their fan page on Facebook, and I've never forgotten that. Inside pitch, one and two the count. And so when it came time to try to find a partner for this, it also came time to pay back a favor. And uh, we were happy to do it with them. Uh, They've also added Sox in the Basement into their celebrity MLB The Show 20 League which I'm going to have to start playing those games or put my son in charge of them one way or the other. Makata swings through a 2-2 fastball and misses for out number two as he goes down swinging. Two outs down the top of the sixth. And Aloya Menez will come to the plate. So Sox on 35th is doing the recap. Cork and Carry at the Park is sponsoring things. Family Waterproofing Solutions is advertising with us. And Don Paul joined us on Thursday, joined us today, and will join us tomorrow is part of the broadcast. So we're having a good time. We're doing the best we can with a bad situation as Jimenez swings and misses for strike one. Outside pitch, ball one, one and one the count. 
to Aloy Jimenez, who is one for three in this game. The next pitch on the way, outside fastball, ball two. Two and one the count. Heath Hembry started this inning and is trying to finish it. Two and two the count. Hembry came in to fix things when the Sox were all over the previous relief pitcher in Walden. Then he had trouble of his own in this inning. And he's got a full count now to Aloy Jimenez with the bases loaded after giving up a two-run bomb to Jose Abreu with two outs here in the top of the sixth. Jimenez trying to dig down deep and continue working on his approach at the plate, which he has to continue to work on, which is for sure. Hembry sets the pitch. Swung on and belted down the third baseline foul near the Green Monster. The next pitch. And then it's an outside pitch flare down the right field line. It curves before it gets to the foul pole into foul territory. A close one, but no cigar. They'll reset. The count is full. The pitch on the way. Inside and low ball four. Jimenez walks. He has not had a problem getting on base. The batting average is low, but the slugging and the on-base percentage are high based upon the home runs and the walks that he's been able to draw. As Edwin Encarnacion hitting in the sixth spot, one for three with a single in the fourth, hitting 269 on the season, seven for 26. Steps up with two outs here and Jimenez on first base. Good-sized crowd here on opening weekend, at least at home for the Red Sox, as this one has put down the third baseline foul into the stands. 0-1 the count to Encarnacion. And that is a ground ball to Devers who scoops it and flips the second for the force. The Red Sox gave up two on a Jose Abreu absolute explosion at the plate that carried well out over the monster and almost hit the light tower out in left center field. The Sox lead 10-6 midway through the sixth. Jimmy Cordero comes in for already his fifth appearance of the season. In game number eight, he's got five and a third's innings with eight strikeouts, three walks. He's given up one hit in that time. And the Sox have had to early on go to the bullpen. And a lot of these games have been so close with a few guys in the bullpen having so many problems that a guy like Cordero is getting used a lot early on. His first pitch to Christian Vasquez hits the outside corner at 97 miles an hour for strike one. If Cordero keeps up this pace, the White Sox are going to be very excited about number 50 here and what he can do for them in the 2020 season and beyond as the next pitch is fouled off on the inside corner 0-2 quickly to Vasquez. Kind of tinkles this one down the first base line. He was lucky to get his bat on it. Abreu scoops it and steps on first for out number one and Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up with one out the bottom of the six one for two with a single and a run scored and Cordero gets ready to face him and that one is chopped foul to the backstop Cordero sets and delivers inside low sinker 98 miles per hour one and one Cordero brings it he throws the sinker up near 100 he throws the fastball up near 100 and he likes to keep the batters off balance as this one is an 88 mile an hour changeup. His changeup is 88 miles an hour. The man throws one and two the count and the next one is chopped back another 88 mile an hour changeup that was low in the zone but Bradley had to swing at it. He's on his heels here as the next one is a 96 mile an hour sinker taken two and two the count. 
Cordero has attacked the plate early on in the season. A 100-mile-an-hour sinker just thrown that was in the zone on the outer portion of the plate. Fouled off, 2-2 two and two the count remains. The pitch from Cordero, this one fouled down the first base line. Foul. 2-2, two and two, bottom of the sixth, one out, Sox lead 10-6. Chop foul into the camera well down the first base line. A couple of White Sox fans here in attendance amongst the Red Sox fans as that is a ball. Three and two the count with Andrew Benatendi on deck. There's a White Sox fan in full regalia right behind home plate amongst a bunch of Red Sox fans. And this guy has been drinking and cheering on every pitch with a backwards hat on. This one is fouled off of the inside thigh of Grandal. That's stung, but he's back in there. Looks like the guy's drinking a dark beer, too. Like, you can get a Guinness here? That one is chopped to Anderson. He bobbles and throws and cannot make the play. Tim Anderson is playing right by second base on a shift. He gets hit right to him into the shift. Easy ground ball that he has completely squared the catch. He takes the hop into the heel of the glove and bounces into his chest and rolls away. He cannot recover quick enough. So what should have been out number two becomes a, well, an error and a runner on first base. Cordero delivers to Benatendi inside. 99 mile an hour offering to the two for three Benatendi for ball one here in the bottom of the sixth inning. The pitch from Cordero. Outside corner strike. 98 mile an hour offering. One and one the count. Not a lot of speed in Bradley. He's got moderate speed. Change up. Benatendi went around enough for them to call that a strike. He tried to check it up. One and two on a low outside changeup with one out here in the bottom of the sixth. A run around the Sox up by four. That ball is chopped back. It seems like all the Red Sox hitters are just trying to defend the plate here against Cordero and hoping he makes a mistake. He is not yet. That is a changeup low and outside, two and two the count. He nibbles and nibbles and nibbles, and then he either tries to fool you with that changeup or just burn it by you. This one he tried to burn by in the outside portion. Anderson feels it, flips to second, over to first. They're going to say he beat the throw. A bang-bang play at first. Looked like a tailor-made double play. He beat the throw by a half a hair. That was close, but he did beat it. So they get the force at second. There's two outs with Pedroia up. About the same amount of speed that Bradley has, Benatendi has. So there's still a runner at first. With two outs now on the bottom of the six. 1-0 to Pedroia, the pitch on the way. Miss is lifted out to center field. Robert goes back, makes a lackadaisical catch. His manager's going to have to talk about that one. He overran the ball, reached back, and just kind of caught it with one glove out. Young man's already made a mistake out there. He's got to do a little bit better than that. Ryan Brazier is going to come in here now to pitch to the White Sox. Luis Roberts doing whatever he rookie would do. He's a little brash. He's fun to watch. He made a mistake earlier to cross the White Sox two runs, and he almost made another one there to end the inning. Luis Robert comes up down to the plate. Hitting in the seventh spot, one for one in this game with a single. He also has a walk. He has scored in the top of the seventh. The Sox lead 10 to six. And that's an inside high fastball foul straight back. The Yankees lead Toronto six to three in the seventh inning right now. Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer warming up right now. He says the changeup on the lower outside portion of the plate swung on for a strike going to the count. If you're wondering why Bummer is warming up to possibly pitch in the seventh inning. After J.D. Martinez, 
Every batter that comes up for the next four or five batters is statistically worse against left-handed arms than right-handed arms. And Cordero could conceivably go up against Martinez, and then you could flip the bummer. On the other hand, in order to keep the gamesmanship going, Evan Marshall, the righty, is also out there with him. So it'll be interesting to see what Ricky Renteria does. 2-2 count to Luis Robert, the pitch on the way. Inside taken, ball three, three and two the count. The fun thing this year has been watching how the bullpen is being utilized as the White Sox are doing more let's win the game than let's try out players for the future. If you're not good, you're used in situations where you put the lesser pitcher in. But here in a game in which the Red Sox have shown that they can come back already, and after what they did in game one of this series, 3-2 pitch down the line. If it's fair, it's gone. That is just to the outside portion on the third baseline of the pole, and they'll reset. Next pitch is flared into right center field from Robert. Bradley on his horse gets over, makes the play, and a long fly out. So Luis Robert almost gets his second home run of the season, missed it by that much, and then flies out into the gap where Jackie Bradley Jr. runs it down. Yuri Garcia's one for three with a single and an RBI in his game. He steps up with one out here in the top of the seventh. The other night, Renteria and the White Sox went with their better pitchers in the hopes their team could scratch a run across in either the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, even the tenth inning before they eventually... And in the 11th, Herrera was out there. In the 12th, Carson Fulmer came in and has an infinity ERA as four guys came to the plate, and he got none of them out and lost that game in the bottom of the 12th inning. This one is put out into left field, lazy fly ball, and that is out number two. Garcia flies out to left. Adam Engel steps in one for three with a single and a run. He's two for six on the season, getting a start against a left-handed pitcher. But now he's got a righty up there. He remains in the game as Nomar Mazzara gets a break. And I don't think Mazzara makes the play a few innings ago where Engel saved the day for Jace Fry. There's only one man probably in the building that could have made that play, and he's standing up at the plate right now. Everybody else that goes over their head, and it's either a ground rule double or a triple that clears the bases. And then we're looking at a very different game. 3-0 count as Timmy Anderson stands on deck, hitting near 400. Last year's American League batting champion. Got off to a hot start so far this year with an eight-game hit streak. As this is a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in the outside corner called the strike. 3-1 the count as Engel was taking all the way. 10-6, top of the seventh, two outs. Sox lead the pitch. Inside fastball, ball four. Engel will turn the lineup over and go to first base with some speed. Tim Anderson comes to the plate. Now, Engel's been thrown out once already trying to steal this year. And with the way Anderson's been hitting, you want to get him in the scoring position. On the other hand, if Anderson puts one in the gap, Engel could score from first, so why take the chance? So it'll be interesting to see if he goes. Anderson's one for four in this game. And the first pitch is a pitch out, and Engel was not going. So the Red Sox thinking the same thing, that the White Sox might try to put Adam Engel in position. He holds it first again. That one's a called strike. One and one the count. So they're checking him. He's dancing. Now the pitch. That swung on through the gap between the first and second baseman. Engel will advance the second anyway. Anderson moves him over and gets himself on first. 
as the shadows sit halfway between the plate and the mound. And with two outs, the White Sox get a walk and a single, and Yasmani Grandal comes up two for four with a single, a home run, and three RBIs. And the man's had a good day so far today, but you'd like to see him just continue that right now and add on, because if you could, you would give a break to that bullpen out there and make Ricky Renteria's decision-making here in the next inning much, much easier. The first pitch is an outside fastball. Hits the outer portion of the plate, 97 miles an hour for strike one. Angle on first, Anderson on second, the pitch. Outside ball one, one and one the count with two outs here on the top of the seventh. And a 10-6 White Sox over Red Sox lead. The next pitch on the way, swung on and missed inner portion of the plate. One and two the count now to Grandal with two outs in the pitch. Inside ball taken, two and two the count. Sacks have come up big in big moments in this game and scored several runs with two outs. The next pitch, outside ball three, as Brazier tries to move the ball around but doesn't want to throw a strike here. He's hoping Grandal will make a mistake. He does not. It's three and two now with two outs in the top of seven with two on. The runners will be in motion. He checks them and the pitch fouled off down the third baseline. He was protecting there. He could have taken it. It had been 50-50. The next pitch. Swung on and fouled down the third baseline. That will get out of play. And they'll reset again with a full count here in the top of the seventh with two outs. The pitch. Swung on and missed an outside slider that probably would have gone for ball four. He gets Grandal the chase and gets out of the inning. Midway through the seventh. The good guys lead the bad guys 10-6. J.D. Martinez will come to the plate. Jimmy Cordero will face him, which indicates to me that Aaron Bummer then will come on and finish off the seventh inning against batters that don't do well against lefties. Cordero facing Martinez, who's one for three. And the pitch here in the bottom of the seventh inning after a stirring rendition of take me out to the ball game is called a strike. Owen won the count. Cordero to Martinez. They're bringing the fireballer back out to face Martinez. He breaks his bat. It rolls softly to Garcia. The runner is out. And there's one out in the bottom of the seventh. And now they'll go get Bummer, who just like Cordero has pitched in four games this year. He's got four innings over four games. Six strikeouts, no walks. He's given up a few hits. But nobody's crossed at least charged to him in this, in this season. And Don Cooper's going to talk with him a little bit before he goes up against Xander Bogarts here who even though Bogarts is a righty, statistically is worse against left-handed pitching. Here, though, he gets a base hit in the right field on the first pitch, and he reaches first base. So although Bogarts, the numbers say, bringing a lefty against him, he does not he does not go with the numbers there. He gets a base hit. Now Devers steps up. He's a lefty, and Bummer, the lefty, throws him a pitch that started behind his back and comes all the way across and catches the outside portion of the plate for strike one taken. Owen won the count. Checking Bogarts the pitch. Low sinker, ball one, one and one the count from Bummer. Pitching in the seventh here. Good situation for Bummer when you think about who's coming up. Yes, he is one of the best pitchers for the White Sox, but when you can put a lefty against a bunch of lefties in a row, you give him the opportunity to be extraordinary. And the Sacks want to continue to push this game closer and closer to his finish with a four-run lead. That was fouled off one and two. 
And the next one is fouled off as well. It will remain 1-2 and two to Rafael Devers, who's 0-2 for 2 today, facing Aaron Bummer with a 1-2 count with one out in the bottom of the seventh and one on. Strike three. Sinker he could not catch up on. He swung and just missed it flat out. That is a strikeout for Aaron Bummer. The runner remains at first base, and there are two outs here in the seventh inning. And the best thing is, there's no reason if Bummer makes quick work here now of Mitch Moreland, who's also a lefty, he could come out against the other lefties that remain in this order. This is a low fastball, 0-1 the count. So he could pitch two-thirds of an inning here and sit down, but he could very well come back in. I would imagine the White Sox would warm their pitchers and then make that decision based upon how that at-bat goes. 1-1 the count, the pitch, and that's foul back. 1-2 with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. A runner on in Bogarts. 10-6 lead for the White Sox here in Fenway. That one is chopped foul. He continues to go low in the zone, tailing outside on these left-handed hitters. He starts that ball behind them and over their shoulder, and it's hard to see. As he again throws the sinker to tails to the outside, and it's fouled off. They're just fighting him off right now as Bummer trying to take advantage of the shadow sitting right in between the mound and the plate. And he fools him on an 84-mile-an-hour slider, and the bottom drops out of it. Swings right over the top of it. Moreland goes down. Aaron Bummer skips to the dugout. Sacks lead 10-6. And Darwinzon Hernandez will come in now. This is his fifth appearance of the season. He'll face Jose Abreu, two for three with a home run, a single, two RBIs. He had a bomb last time he was up. He's the reason it's 10-6 instead of 8-6. He's hitting 433 on the season. Jose Abreu takes ball inside. 32,681 in attendance this Saturday on a beautiful yet cold, chilly 47-degree day. But it's that kind of 47 degrees with the direct sunlight that you got people sitting in T-shirts at least for an inning, and then they catch a chill and they put that jacket back on. Next pitch, high outside corner for a strike, one and one the count. Once again, remember, Cork and Carry at the Park is the proud sponsor of Socks in the Basement. You can go on Grubhub or go to CorkandCarryAtThePark.com and order some delicious food right now. Support them. They'll be waiting for you with the doors wide open when baseball returns to the south side. That one is grounded over to Bogarts. He makes quick work of it, throwing over to the first base. And Abreu is retired for the first out of the top of the eighth inning. Juan Moncada comes up. Every time he has come up, he has been booed here by this Fenway crowd. You're a smattering of boos. Like it's his fault that the Red Sox traded him away before he became a star to get Chris Sale. Like he orchestrated it. That's how Red Sox fans are, are responding to Juan Moncada every time he comes up. As he takes that first pitch for a strike with Matt Barnes warming up in the bullpen for the Red Sox. One out here in the top of the eighth inning. And that one is hit directly out in the right field and it's easy pickings for Alex Verdugo as he picks that one out of the sky. And there's already two gone here in the top of the eighth with Aloy Jimenez, one for three, coming up to the plate. It's not Moncada's fault that he was traded as a prospect for Chris Sale. It's not his fault at all. Jimenez hit a bomb earlier on this game. The man likes to hit home runs. In fact, all five of his hits this season have been home runs. He may finish the season with 65 home runs and hit 180 at the pace that he's at right now. Aloy Jimenez, one for three, steps up with two outs here at the top of the eighth and nobody on, takes a curveball low for strike one. But I think now that Sale 
is getting the Tommy John surgery. Red Sox fans hate seeing Moncada, but that's not his fault. I don't know why you're booing the man. That's crazy. Next pitch taken high, but for a strike, 0-2 quickly to Jimenez. The next pitch from Hernandez. The lefty is low and inside. Ball one, one and two the count with two outs in the top of the eighth inning. Jimenez stands in there and chops this one foul down the third base line. He looks locked in, but is he just looking for home runs? As this one is flared to the first base side into foul territory before the foul pole. Next pitch. Swing and a miss. Outside fastball in the zone. Could not catch up to it. Jimenez goes down swinging. We go to the bottom of the eighth. White Sox still lead 10-6. Alex Verdugo steps to the plate, and Aaron Bummer says, I've only got 12 pitches under my belt. I'm going to pitch here as well. His first pitch to the lefty is fouled down the third base line. Mancata comes over and snags that one before it reached the stands. And one pitch, one out. And Christian Vasquez steps in, the first righty, that Bummer has seen now in several at-bats. And he will stay in and continue to pitch here with an 86-mile-an-hour outside fastball to the number eight hitter in the lineup. The next pitch from Bummer, inside jammed him. 0-2 quickly to count on Vasquez. Bomb of the eighth, 10-6 White Sox. Bummer comes on here after pitching two-thirds of an inning in the seventh inning. Comes out and gets the first out on one pitch in the eighth and remains in. 0-2 count to Vasquez here. He throws one inside on his laces. He doesn't go for it. That's a ball, one and two the count. Aaron Bummer can pitch you if you're a lefty or if you're a righty. And he did not have to use a lot of pitches to this point, so why not? This one is low, 94-mile-an-hour fastball, two and two. The pitch. Swung on and missed. Cut fastball for strike three. So Bummer strikes out Vasquez. And Jackie Bradley Jr. will come up against Aaron Bummer. Bradley Jr. doesn't even get in the starting lineup right now for the Red Sox against lefties. He's got to stand in there against one of the best lefties in baseball and Aaron Bummer, and he fouls his first one off. And this is why it made sense to let Cordero pitch to the first batter of the seventh inning in J.D. Martinez and then let Bummer try to do what he's doing right now, and that is make a run through a mostly left-handed lineup that was set up to go after Cease. And now with a 10-6 lead... You can go to Bummer and see what he can do. One and one the count here with two outs in the bottom of the eighth. And that one is fouled off, and it's quickly one and two. Bummer will every once in a while go inside on these lefties, but he loves to do that sweeping motion over their shoulder where they can't see it and try to cut across the plate. He does it right there. He took strike three, a slider low and outside, clearly in the zone, and Bummer strikes out Bradley after eight, 10-6 White Sox. Brandon Workman comes in to work the ninth inning, the top of the ninth. He, three saves and three opportunities, but he's not getting a save right now because his team's down 10-6 here in the top of the ninth with Edwin Encarnacion up. Meanwhile, Alex Colome and Evan Marshall up in the bullpen for the White Sox with a four-run lead. As this first pitch here is skied into right field, it will hang up there long enough for Verdugo. And one pitch, one out to Edwin Encarnacion. And Luis Robert with the dirty jersey. The misplayed ball in center, but the run scored and the good work at the plate. He's at an up and down game. Stands in there one and two with a walk. Takes the first pitch strike on the lower outside portion of the plate. 10-6 lead, top of the ninth. 0-1 count, pitch on the way. 
outside taken. One and one the count. It is not a save situation for Colome. And Bummer has already gone one and two-thirds innings. With the top of the order coming up, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring in Bummer. One and two now on that pitch, the next pitch on the way. Low, two and two the count on a knuckle curve thrown by Workman. He will work that in there. The next pitch to Robert. He chops this one down the first baseline. It is bobbled and knocked down. Close play at first base. Quickly got the ball dished over from his butt. Sitting on his rear end, the first baseman is able to dish that ball to Workman coming over to first base. And they beat Robert by a hair. He is out on the 3-1 put out. And Leary Garcia comes up here now with two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Crazy play didn't go the White Sox way, but that's okay. They're up by four, and the first pitch is fouled off down the third base line. So now the question is, since it's not a save situation, do you even go to Colome? Yeah, he's going to work out in there. He's going to throw the ball around. But do you bring him in? Or do you go with Evan Marshall? Or do you stick with Aaron Bummer? These are the choices right now that Ricky Renteria is faced with. As this one is swung on and missed, one and two the count. So it was a strike, it was a ball, it was a strike again and a swinging strike. One for four, Leary Garcia steps in there with two outs in the top of the ninth and the base is empty. Inside pitch, knuckle curve, 81 miles an hour, taken for a ball, two and two the count. The pitch from Workman, and he did not get a good handle on it. Pops that up to Bogarts, and the Sox go down one, two, three. So the Red Sox closer does his job holding the White Sox, but the Sox lead by four going into the bottom of the ninth. Andrew Benatendi's a lefty and is leading off, so Aaron Bummer will at least face him now. He must have told Ricky Renteria he was good to go. He pitched two-thirds of an inning in the seventh, pitched all of the eighth. He only has 23 pitches thrown at this point, and he wants Benatendi at least to start off the ninth inning with a four-run lead. First pitch a strike, next one close, but a ball taken. That was borderline. Next pitch, low sinker for ball two. He's right on the corner. He's just not getting the call. His bummer delivers. Outside cut fastball call the strike two and two to Benatendi, who habitually is not as good against lefties as he is righties. The next pitch, that one is popped into left field. Jimenez back will catch that one easy. And the first out of the ninth inning is recorded. And at this point, Ricky Renteria will go out to the mound and give bummer and bring in a right-handed pitcher to try to finish this out. He's not going to go to his closer just yet as Colome plays toss out there. Evan Marshall comes in. He's got a four-run lead. He's pitched two games, three innings overall. He has not let a run cross the plate that was charged to him, and he will pitch here. And that is an outside changeup, 87 miles an hour, to Dustin Pedroia, who's one for four for ball one here with a four-run lead in the ninth. Your closer is ready if you get into trouble. You would prefer not to use him. As this one is skied down the third baseline and foul, one and one the count to Pedroia. J.D. Martinez sits on deck. Next pitch swung on and missed. One and two the count. You don't want to go to your closer all the time. You'll wear him out. You have a four-run lead. Yes, the Red Sox have shown the propensity to come back in games against you so far this weekend. But you can't panic. This one is taken inside for a ball, and Evan Marshall has been effective in his two appearances so far this season. Next pitch on the way, and that one is sent out in the center field. Can of corn for Luis Robert, and there's two outs. 
here in the bottom of the ninth inning. So the Red Sox are down to their last soldier. One for four, J.D. Martinez comes up to the plate with his team trailing by four. Nobody on with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Evan Marshall delivers a curveball just outside the zone at 84 miles an hour for ball one. White Sox trying to even this series up after dropping the first game in 12 as this one is a base hit ground ball in between Anderson and Mancada into left field. Martinez will reach safely. So a runner is on base now with two outs. And Xander Bogarts comes up. who's two for four with a double, a single, and three RBIs. The good news is if he hits a home run here, they're still down by two. And so a guy like Evan Marshall has to sit there and think to himself, yeah, that's fine. But if the three hitter, the four hitter, and the five hitter all do damage, I'm going to work my way into the bottom of that order before they can actually come back into this game. So take them one at a time and pitch. First pitch changeup outside, ball one. Devers waits on deck. The pitch, and that is a low changeup for ball two. Devers waits on deck. I guarantee that if he gets through Devers and the next guy comes up, you'll see Alex Colome up here. It's the line shot to Abreu, picks it out of the air. That one was headed for extra bases down the first baseline, but Abreu snags it, and that is an out. And the White Sox even up the series. 10-6 over the Red Sox here on Saturday. A big offensive game for the White Sox. Dylan Cease looked good early and then started to crumble. The bullpen had to come in and lock it down. Jace Fry almost blew the entire thing. And what's crazy is I believe Fry will end up with the win here, even though all he did was basically load the bases and rely on Adam Engel to make an insane play out right field to stop the Red Sox from either tying or taking the lead. But in the end, the Sox hold on to win this game 10-6 on 12 hits. White Sox had one error in this game charged to them. And Boston, they get six runs on nine hits. Jace Fry is the winner. One-third of an inning pitch with two walks and saved by Adam Engel. And that's the way that baseball awards wins. There's a reason why the whip is worth more than the win. I've always said that, and there's a reason for that. Brian Johnson takes a loss. Four and a third's innings pitched. Six hits, three strikeouts, five earned runs, two walks. Jose Abreu is a player of the game. Two for four with a home run, two RBIs. Yasmani Grandel, two for five with a home run, three RBIs and two runs scored. Aloya Menez, one for four with a bomb. It was a three-run home run. And Luis Robert, one for three with two runs scored and a dirty jersey. That man played his butt off even when he made a mistake out there in center field midway through the game that cost the White Sox two runs. In the end... Take the score out of it. The White Sox win the game. They improve to 5-3 and three and go for their third series win tomorrow here in Boston. Thank you very much for listening to a White Sox simulated game. We are simulating each and every game of the 2020 season for you. Brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park and covered by SoxOn35th.com. Go there, get the box score, check out anything that you might have missed, or if you want clarification on something, remember you can listen to us each and every day right here at Socks in the Basement. We are found everywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.